Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Thank you, Ryan and praise team. Don't they bless your heart each and every week as they lead us in a time of praise? Won't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for our praise team and, and for our media team and security? You know, there are a lot of different people serving in a lot of capacities tonight you might even not even know about. Uh, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? And uh, continuing to see the expansions come to pass. As I speak about that, you probably notice different. Every time you come, there's something that looks a little different, right? I know you're probably upset that the color of the front of the building is not that Pepto-Bismol pink, right? We thought that'd go good with the purple shag carpet that we're going to have, you know? And, and so uh, I'm uh, thankful that our people are not concerned about those things. We just want a place where we can come together and invite others to come and worship and hear the word and grow in our faith. If you have your Bible, if you will, turn with me to the book of Malachi, uh, Old Testament minor prophet. And uh, let me remind you too, as we're talking about expansions, remember that next Wednesday night, now hang on, take a deep breath. Next Wednesday night will not be gathering. Can you believe that? I know, I know, but what's going to happen is they're going to be doing a lot of renovations in here next week. They're going to focus in here on getting these walls leveled out and straight, and, uh, and so carpet removed and those kind of things. So uh, you be praying about that, okay? Take some time. I pray you take that time and spend it with your family and really invest in those. Maybe, maybe take a night that night to share your testimony with your family in the home, and I challenge Dad to do that, okay? Because, Dad, you're the spiritual leader of the house, and I pray you'd maybe cook supper that night. Uh-oh, boy, I'm laying it down there, aren't I? And uh, Dad, you cook supper, and then as you get supper cooked, you share your testimony with the family. I challenge you to do that, okay? We uh, at Hickory Ridge say that we don't raise in spiritual sissies as men. And so uh, it'd make you tough to lift weights. Anybody can do that. Uh, and so what makes you tough is when you can stand up for your faith. And so I want to challenge you, okay? There's your challenge for your pastor, because I love you, right? All right, so, and if Dad's not in the house, Mom, you do it. or some, Y'all share your testimony, okay? When we're going to do that? Next Wednesday night, I want to hear some testimonies about that. That's going to be good. It's going to be good. Okay, you have your Bible. Turn with it, Malachi. <clears throat> Does anybody remember where we left off? Oh, hush falls over the crowd. Look over it. Look at it. Verse number nine. 10, right? We stopped off and now we finished 9, verse number 10. So we're starting in verse number 10. And you say, what do you mean when we left off? Well, that's where we left off Sunday night. You see, y'all have church Sunday night? Yeah, we have church Sunday night. And so uh, if you miss some of those our services, remember that on Facebook, those are archived, but also I have a podcast called Truth For Today with Terry Fan. If you, you sometimes you want to catch up, you miss one because you're sick or whatever and you can't be with us, check that out because a lot of times when I'm preaching through a passage, they build on one another, okay? And so now you say, uh-oh, I've missed those two. Is, is tonight going to make sense? Yes, it will, okay? Now, quickly, why is Malachi, somebody help me, why is Malachi called a minor prophet? Because he's not very important? No, because what? Shorter in length, shorter in length, okay? And not just in the length of the book, but the length of his time. Uh, he was, uh, Malachi was a prophet during Nehemiah's time. Now you remember what was going on in Nehemiah's time. They were going back and they were building the wall. They were coming back together as a people and beginning to build the wall back, okay? And so uh, uh, some of the themes we see here, it, it, oh, here's, a, here's a, another, just a nugget of truth. Uh, it's the last word, right? Uh, between what we call the intertestament period, which is the, t- the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, you remember the word testament is the same as, you remember what word testament means? Covenant, okay? 
And this book really has a lot to do with covenants, okay, and the covenant agreement between God and his people. Now, remember, a covenant is a simple definition of the word covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties where both parties have responsibilities, okay, responsibilities. What is a covenant relationship that we, that we, that we experience down here on the earth? Marriage. It's a covenant where two people made vows, and they have responsibilities to each other. Does that make sense to you? This is yes. All right, so there's a covenant relationship. Most people don't know that when you come to faith in Jesus, he has purchased for us a covenantal relationship with God the Father. Uh, it has responsibilities on both parties. Did you know that? Most people think, okay, yeah, my responsibility is just pray this prayer. Oh, you missed it. You've missed it. There is some covenant responsibility. You say, well, preacher, are you talking about I've got to do certain things to be saved? No, no, no. I'm talking about you do certain things because you're saved. All right? So God has responsibility in the covenant. We have responsibility in the covenant. Tonight, we're going to look at a few more of those. All right? Now, so far, remember from chapter 1 that he, he talked about two very important things before he ever started scolding them. Do you remember? He talked about, number one, he talked about, somebody help me, the love of God. Okay? And the second thing was the magnitude of God or God's bigness or God's magnificence. Two things he talked about as motivators as to why they should be living as his covenant people, okay? Now, what do you mean live as his covenant people? Holding up your end of the deal, living out your responsibilities in the covenant. That's what they should be doing. Why? Because God has loved them, past tense, okay, and present tense, but also that he's a big God. He's not just the God of Israel. He's the God of everything, okay? Y'all kind of, is it kind of warming up to, you, to your mind as to where we are? Y'all got to interact a little bit. We're going to be here all night, all right? Yeah, come on. Okay, so let me ask this question. I see him coming in the back door. Has everybody got an outline? If you don't, raise your hand. They'll make sure as I'm talking, they'll get that to you. Raise your hand up there if you don't have one. Got a few over here in, the, in one of our sides. Anybody over here, just raise your hand up, and they'll come to you. My goodness, seems like everybody's got one. Hallelujah. Okay, so back to Malachi. God's people have not been responding uh, to the covenant, right? And so he's, then after he told them the motivations, he begins telling them what they're not doing in their end of the deal, right? We're going to continue that beginning in verse number 10, okay? Everybody good? Feel like you have a little footing as to what's going on? Okay, remember context is king. If you know the context, you can know what the Bible said, not is saying said, because what it said back there still says today. Remember this statement, the Bible can never say what it never said, Okay, the scripture says about itself, it's settled in the heavens, all right? So let's stand to our feet together in honor of reading his word, and let's read verse 10 all the way down. You ready for this? To verse number 17. Can y'all hang with me that long? I wish y'all get a little fire about you tonight. I'm fired up, and I want y'all to come on and get with me, all right? Here we go, beginning in verse number 10, Malachi chapter 2. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? by profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this is the second thing that you do. <clears throat> you cover the altar of the Lord with, what do they cover him with? tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, not receive it uh, with good, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say to yourselves, for what reason? 
because, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife, uh-oh, somebody help me, of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by, uh-oh, covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why did God bring two together and make them one? Because he seeks, somebody help me, godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or you say this, where is the God of justice? Now, is that a little confusing to anybody? A little wordy, a lot of stuff going on. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm assured that God, this Holy Spirit, is going to, by the time you leave out, you're going to go, oh, okay, I get it now. And so uh, let's bow our heads together and ask God to help us get there, okay? Because where we are now, we may not understand all of that, but we're going to ask God to help us get there, okay? So bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute and help me to pray. Father, we oftentimes look at your word in the context of culture and thousands of years between then and now. And Lord, in our Western mindset, so many things get in the way. And so I pray tonight uh, that simply by the power of your Holy Spirit and Lord, uh, the gift of preaching, that you would help us, uh, Lord, you'd help me to proclaim this truth in such a way that every single soul within the sound of my voice would leave out of here understanding it Lord, being touched, encouraged, and challenged by it, and that, Father, that same Holy Spirit would give us the ability to live it. And now, Lord, as you help me to preach, put on display to everybody here that I'm less than ordinary, and that means that you can use anybody, anywhere, and anytime. So, Father, continue to use us, and Lord, as you do that, would you also preach to me? Tune our ears in. Uh, Lord, turn our ears toward the voice of heaven. And speak into our lives like a father to his little children. And may we take it all in, sit on the front edge of our seat, not get up and down, move around. But Lord, let us hang on every word like we're wanting to know what you want to say to us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So now then, you have your outline there. So you won't be doing a lot of writing tonight, amen. Uh, but you'll be doing some writing tonight. So I hope that you will, in fact, have your pen and go along with this. It'll help reinforce what we talk about as we go along, okay? So the title of the message tonight is, What's Covenant Got to Do With It? <clears throat> now, when I wrote that down, do you think, do you hear a song playing in your head? Uh, isn't that funny? Like when I said that, was everybody's laughing. Like, what's funny about that question? I know, because you heard what's love got to do with it, right? And as I was thinking about Tina Turner's song today, you know, the premise of that song is, why do you want to get love involved in the, in the pleasure of intimacy when, when your heart can get broken? So let's just enjoy that thing. What's love really got to do with it? And here's the answer. The answer is everything. And God intends for love to have everything to do with an intimacy and relationship because it's a covenant relationship, right? So I would take the question and say to you, what's covenant got to do with it? Let me explain what I mean. Uh, one particular time I was in Home Depot, I won't tell you where. It's been a number of years ago. But I'm waiting in line, and I've told somebody this story before, and there's a man at the desk, and people are returning things, and it's the only place where you can check out that day. You know how sometimes they have that real wise plan where all the, everything's shut down except for the service desk, and everybody had to go to the service desk. And so people were in a long line. It was early in the morning, and there was a guy at the register, and he was talking about where he went to church, 
And he was talking about how he loved his church and he loved Jesus and, and he taught Sunday school. And he was talking about how, you know, he just, oh, it was where he centered his life around Jesus. And, 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 then, and then the guy on the other side of the counter who's purchasing something, who he's talking with, Asked him the question, what about that dog of yours that keeps getting in your trash? Did you, it was his neighbor. You know, he said, I hadn't, hadn't seen it in a while. Where's that dog been? And the man said, oh, I killed that sucker. And I, that's exactly what I said. Now, there are about four people in front of me, and there are about four or five people behind me. And I remember thinking, huh. And I, I wondered if I heard wrong, because he said, what about your dog? You know? And, uh, and so as he goes on to say, he said, you know, my wife loved that thing. She loved that thing like a baby. We had that thing for 13 years. It slept in the bed with us at night. And, and I told her if that stupid dog didn't get out of the garbage that I was going to kill it. And, the, um, and so you say, what, preacher, what are you telling the story for, right? Uh, the point of the matter was I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and I'm watching the four people in front of me, hearing him talk about the love of Jesus hearing him talk about how much he loved his church, how much he loved Jesus and teach the word, and how he was dishonoring and unloving to his wife. And I watched the countenance of the four people in front of me and the four people behind me cringe when he's talking. And I thought about how many in that group maybe didn't know Jesus. And when he's hearing about the love of Christ and, and what does it mean, right? Well, in other words, what has this covenant got to do with it? Well, I'll tell you, it's everything. And when you're in covenant relationship with God, it changes how you live your life. You with me? Anybody out there? So let's dive into, anyway, what's covenant got to do with You already know the answer, everything. The answer is everything, okay? Now, here's the main idea. You have it there in your notes. I left a couple of blanks. I think I did in your, in your outline. And so in the main idea, I want you to write this in. It's a summation, if you will, of those verses. Here's what we're looking for as we unpackage this a verse at a time. God's people have covenant responsibility. Would you write that somewhere? God's people have covenant, help me somebody, responsibility. It is something that we've not been taught. It's something that we've missed along the lines. We, we hear this phrase that says, hey, just pray this prayer, and you could know that you have eternal life. And we never hear the aspect that we are joining into a covenant relationship with God where he has responsibility to us, and we also have responsibility to him. Okay? Everybody all right? Okay, so we're learning, and we're growing, and we're getting right along. Roman number one in your outline there. Look back with me in verse number 10. In verse number 10. Write this in your blanks there, okay? <clears throat> we have, now, now we're gonna talk about covenant responsibilities in several different areas. So number one, we have covenant responsibilities with our faith family. Will you write that down? We have covenant responsibilities with our, what did I say, faith family, okay? With our faith family. Now, what is our faith family? What am I talking about? The church. I'm talking about those that have been born. Am I talking about Hickory Ridge? No, that's just one local gathering, right? I'm talking about all the people on planet Earth who have, in fact, been born again. Well, somebody may be here tonight saying, well, what does it mean to be born again? It means a person's come to realize their lost condition by the Holy Spirit's power, and he's revealed to them who Jesus is, the Son of God, who left the throne of heaven, came down to earth, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the dead. And they have individually repented, turning away from being the Lord of their own life and invited Jesus to come and be Lord of theirs. That's a person who's been born again, okay? So they're everywhere. They're all over the earth. It's amazing. We come in all different shapes and sizes and skin tones, don't we? But we're all part of one big, happy family. We should be happy, right? Joyful. And so we talk about the fact that we're all over the planet, but we have a covenant. Did you know that we have a covenant responsibility to each other? And I have a certain way that I'm supposed to respond to you and treat you. And you have a certain, certain way that you're supposed to respond to me and treat me uh, because I'm in a covenant relationship with God. Now, let me show it to you in the passage. All right, look in verse number 10. 
He says, have we not all, now here's, what, what's he talking about? He's talking about unity. He's talking about Judah and Israel. He's talking about the fact that they are God's people called out from the world and they are his special people, but they are one. They're all together. So he says, have we not all, y'all help me, what's the number? One father. Has not one God, now listen to what he calls in the court here. He's calling some thought process. Hasn't God created us? Now I've told you before this Hebrew word bara, and that is that word there, created. Okay, now just some side note on that, because there are people today, a word of faith type of movement that you need to stay away from, that says you and I can speak things into existence, okay? That is the Hebrew word bahra. It is impossible for a human being to bahra. It is a quality of only God to create something out of nothing, Okay, so be biblical in, in what you learn and what you listen. Be careful of the voices you let speak into your life, okay? So he says, uh, the, Malachi says to the people, hey, you know what? I know we look divided. We're all kind of against each other sometimes. But here's the truth. Aren't we, don't we all have one father? So, so that makes uh, them brothers and sisters at the same way that it makes me and you. Come on, somebody. Brothers and sisters, y'all like, is this a trick question? <laughs> Brothers and sisters. Now, again, I'm talking to, I don't know who any here are and who aren't, those who've been born again. Now, God does. God looks down here, and he sees the ones that are lost stick out like a sore thumb, you know? But to me, I can't tell the difference whatsoever. So those of us who have been born again, we all have the same heavenly Father. That makes us family. Now, sometimes we don't approach it like that, do we? Uh, we go about it sometimes and we say blood is thicker than water. And we fail to realize that the blood is not our mamas and daddies. It's the blood of the lamb, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we ought to begin to live. Really, the blood of the lamb is thicker than water. And so listen to what he says here in verse number 10. Have we not all one father? Have, have, has not one God created all? Aren't we all part of his creation? N none of us higher than the other. See, see what we're talking about here is about a created order. And there's only creator and creature, right? Created by the creator. And that levels the playing field. Doesn't make me any more special than you. Are you any more special than me? We've all been created by God. Okay? One creator, one father. And then he asks a question, a rhetorical question. Why do we deal treacherously with one another? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of our fathers. Uh, let me say to you, sometimes it, uh, it behooves me, it, it, it bewilders me. I, I'm, I'm at a loss of the English vocabulary to tell you what I feel sometimes when I see how we deal with each other and how we talk about each other and how we treat each other. Sometimes I'm telling you, I hear some things sometimes I blush and I, I don't know how people can say that about each other. And how they could treat each other like that. I, I really don't. I don't know how in heaven's name you can be saved and treat a brother or sister like we, like we treat each other sometimes. Y'all with me? I say we now. I'm not saying you. I'm saying we. It, 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 it blows my mind. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that you and I, we're, we have one father. And so we ought to treat each other as such, right? We'll treat each other as family. And, and so people always say all the time, church family. I said, well, I'll just call it faith family, right? We're just family. That's what we are. So let me give you a couple of verses. Actually, there's three. Are they all three in your notes there? Oh, you don't even have to turn. Look at there. Look how quickly we can read this together. All right, Galatians chapter, excuse me, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to what John said. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, what, what about them? They're born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, that's the one who gave, right, the one who had, also loves him, lowercase, who is begotten of him. What's he saying? Every one of us 
who loves him, who, who's the one who's able to, to create, begot, also loves everyone who's been created by him. You see what he's saying? So, so he's saying you can't say that you love God and not love your family who also has been born again and created in his image. Uh, boy, it's, it gets quiet in here when you start dealing with personal matters of the heart and then how we treat each other and deal with each other. And I'm gonna say not just the people in the room, but people in other gatherings. And it's amazing to me sometimes about how we treat each other. We get into some kind of a contest, right? Uh, and, and who's a competition? Who's the biggest? Who's the best? And, and all of a sudden, people are saying mean things about each other and styles of worship and all kind of nonsense. And it's amazing to me that we would let such trivial matters ever cause us to talk bad about our family. And so he says, if I love God, I love everybody who's been born of God. And there's no in-between. All right, let me give you another verse. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10. Listen to what he says. So now he's going to talk about love in action. You know that love is not a feeling, right? Love is, in fact, by definition in the Scriptures, an action. It's a decision of the will, and it's proven in action. So here's what he says in Galatians 6 and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, opportunity what? To do good. What is doing good? And it's an expression of love. Doing good is an expression of love. I should do it every opportunity I get, especially, come on somebody, to those who are of the household of faith. How about that? I'm supposed to help you and you're supposed to help me, and especially to those of the household of faith. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we get that backwards, don't we? Sometimes we help the world out more than we help the family of faith. And he says we're supposed to help the family of faith. Now, I'm not leaving the other undone, but making sure that we're taking care of those who have been born again. Let me give you another verse, and then we'll move on. John chapter 13, verse 35. You see what it says? Jesus, now talking about this covenant responsibility that I have to love you with action, and you have to love me with action, okay? He says this, by this, by what? All will know that you are my disciples. What is it? If you have for one another. It is the defining birthmark of the child of God that he or she is defined as a follower of Jesus if they have love for other believers. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say uh, that uh, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you give the most offering. And notice he doesn't say by this, all will know that you're my disciples at however many years you've been sober. Uh, he says very explicitly, and this is Jesus talking, he says by this, there's this one defining birthmark that will prove to the world your mind, your love for each other which would mean the greatest contradiction to the love of Christ is when two followers of Jesus are at odds with each other, being unloving to one another, okay? Now, can we move on? Y'all kind of, boy, y'all are not responding tonight, so I'm gonna just kind of track on along, all right? Here we go, Roman numeral two in your notes. So first, what does covenant have to do with how I treat you? What's the word? Everything, everything. It has everything to do with how I treat you. And it has everything to do with how you treat me and how you treat other people around you who profess to be followers of Jesus. Now, does that mean we always just hug it out? And does it mean we always just look the other way when things are wrong? No. It means that I also am going to speak the truth in love. It means that you and me are going to get private, right? Me and, me and another guy are going to get private, and we may have a conversation where he says to me or I say to him, hey, man, I see some things in your life that don't line up with the Scripture. I'm praying for you. Let's talk about it, right? Not publicly, not condemning, not beating them over the head, but out of a real serious love relationship for one another, right? Uh, by the way, there are too many, there are too many professing believers who are liabilities as friends, who cheer on sin, who look the other way. And, and I'm telling you, it is the greatest hindrance in our lives when we have people around us who profess to follow Jesus, but never point us in his direction. 
And so it's a, co- I owe you, you owe me. I have a covenant responsibility to love you, hug you when you need it, yes, but also to hug you with the truth sometimes in a loving way to help so we have that for each other. Okay, y'all with me? We're moving on. All right, Roman number two. We have covenant responsibility. Oh boy, this is gonna be good. For whom we choose to marry. Well, it got quiet in here. And nobody's even looking left or right. You see that? All right, let's see what we're talking about here. We have covenant responsibility. Now remember, the responsibility, the covenant, excuse me, the covenant that I have responsibility to is the covenant I have with God. He's brought me into his family with precious blood. Jesus' responsibility to the Father was to die on behalf of the sins of all of the world so that you and I could be forgiven and be born again into the family of God. My response to that, my covenant response is to follow him. What does that mean? I go uh, out into the world walking barefoot, homeless, across? No, it means that I go living the mission according to his instruction. So what's recorded in here is my covenant response to his covenant with me through Jesus' precious blood. Isn't that beautiful? Man, that ought to just be settling in your heart tonight, and you really start looking at your relationship with Jesus a little differently. We're in a covenant relationship here, and we both have responsibilities. All right, Roman number two, we have covenant responsibility for whom... We choose, somebody help me, to marry. Where'd I find it? Verse 11 and 12. Judah has dealt treacherously. How? Uh, And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. What have they done? Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. Now, you know what he's referring to there because he's going to talk about husband and wife. Uh, Without saying, he said, what's he talking about? What's the holy institution that God loves? Marriage. Write that word down somewhere in your notes there, marriage. You ought to write somewhere, God loves marriage. That's what the scripture just said. Isn't that interesting? Like, I'm not going to pull the crowd in here and say, how many of y'all love marriage? I'd never do that. Huh? I'd never do that. Some of y'all be sleeping in separate rooms tonight if I ask that question. I'm not going to do it, all right? I have said in my life before, and if Tina was here, she would amen. I say, marriage can, marriage can be neat. Y'all like that word? It's like neutral, right? It's not negative, it's not positive, it's just it can be neat, right? But at the same time, we would have to agree that marriage can be one of the most miserable places you can ever find yourself. It can, it can. But marriage also can be one of the greatest places, what I call home team, uh, that you could ever find yourself in. So, the scripture says, what's happening is they're dealing treacherously with God in the institution of marriage. Now, let's talk about, and by the way, let me say this to you. Uh, the world today is dealing treacherously with God's holy institution called marriage. You need to know that. And, and, and we're, and we're going to make a circle here in a minute and prove a really pointed point here before we close. And I'll probably make some enemies. That's okay. It's, I didn't write it. I'm just preaching it, okay? So here, here we go. Look with me. Back in verse number 11, he says, For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. I, I was pondering this, and Gerald and I and, and the staff were talking. I said, isn't it interesting that God like, has an emotion toward marriage? That, that seated up on high, he, he has an emotion of love. Uh, toward marriage. He acts in a loving way toward marriage. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, he has, uh, he, now what have they done? End of verse 11. Uh, he, Judah, has married. Now he, when he's saying he, he's talking about collectively, okay, what they have done. And that doesn't mean that every single member of the tribe of Judah, all right, all the people of Judah had done this, but he's talking about a large portion of them. Does that make sense? You ever lump somebody into a group, say y'all? Okay, same thing. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. So, 
in this particular passage, now, now let me just say this to you. Some people have taken that verse and said, oh, well, that means that, that, that the white race is never supposed to marry the black race, and the black race is not supposed to marry the white race, and the Indian race is not supposed to marry the white race, and, and all of this crazy nonsense, when what you fail to realize is that there is one set of parents to every human being on planet Earth. Their names are Adam and Eve. And because the Bible said it before science proved it, and science did prove it recently, boy, it just really tore them up. They had to admit it. DNA is finally proven that every person born on planet Earth is coming. They can be traced back to one set of parents. Well, yeah, we've known that for thousands of years. But because of the level of melanin in the skin, people have taken this particular power. I'm telling you, context is king. You can be ignorant of the Bible and even know the words it says. Now, what is he talking about? A, they've taken people of a foreign God. Now, in this particular time in history, God had called a people out of the rest of the nations. Remember, back with Abraham or Abram out of Ur. And he said, I want you to come out of the common people, and I want to have a people for my own personal prized possession, my people who will honor me and I'll honor them, to be in covenant relationship with me, all right? So that took place. That began to happen. Now, problem was, uh, old covenant was based on the law, and well, man had a shortcoming, didn't we? We couldn't hold up our end. We couldn't hold up our end. We didn't have the Holy Spirit, and we couldn't hold up the law. And so what happens now is there's this separation from God in this old covenant, and the people rebel, and they call out to God, and God delivers, and there's this cycle that happens with them. And you see this thing unfolding, and he says, I want you to marry only Jewish people, only marry Jewish people, because they're, at this particular time, I'm going to paint a picture of my special chosen people, okay? Same reason that he said, I wanted you to don't wear cotton blended fiber in Leviticus and different places in the Old Testament. The reason that you're wearing blended fiber right now and you're not sinning is because that was to a particular people at a particular time. Some of y'all are like, what, it says that? Yeah, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that that was for them then? Huh? For a specific reason? Yeah. Now, what's the picture? New Testament, he's called a people out of the common people. Come on, somebody. And it's Jew and Gentile alike. He didn't call us out of Ur. He called us out of our bondage and sin and called us into a right relationship, a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ through his blood. Now to be right with the Father. And so now no longer is this Jews only marry Jews, but we're all, he said he tore down the middle wall of separation Jesus did between the Jew and the Gentile. Isn't that beautiful? So please don't ever use that in miscontext and tell people because of the level of melanin in their skin they're not supposed to marry. That's ridiculous, okay? That's ridiculous. So as this continues to unfold, he says, what you've done is you've married these pagan women who worship other gods. And I already warned you not to do that. So this holy institution, God had in this particular time a specific people that worshipped him that were only supposed to marry women that worshipped him, that were his covenant people. Now, strangely enough, there's still a similitude of that that applies today. I love that right there. Y'all thinking so hard? There's some gears slipping. Okay, look at your outline, see if you can figure it out. I'll give you just a minute to read it. Boy, some of y'all's light bulbs are going off. I look, look, I look at that. Ah. Y'all are going, oh, 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 that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant. Don't be unequally yoked back there. The Jews were the uh, nations at that particular time represented the God in which they worshiped. And they were all false gods except Yahweh, the God of Israel. 
And at that particular time, he said, I only want the men who worship me to marry the women of this same nation who worship me. They represent me. But now in the New Testament, the same similitude comes. I only want believers to marry. You better be careful whom you choose to marry. You have a covenant responsibility, not to your wife or to your husband. You have a, yes, you do, but stay with me. You have a covenant responsibility to God who you choose to marry. Now, thanks be to God for grace because I didn't, nobody taught me that. And I thank God that he blessed me with, with my wife and he's changed us. But let me tell you something. We suffered greatly because nobody taught us this. Now, I'm speaking to the people in the room who are married in a minute, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking specifically now to the people in the room who are not married and the people listening out there who are not married and the people who are listening to this podcast soon uh, in the weeks ahead and the months and years ahead that are not married. You, you, if you're in a relationship with the Father, you cannot just pick the person you think is the prettiest or the most handsome, who makes the most money, who makes those little butterflies fly around in your, in your you know, uh, intestines and stuff and, and, and marry them. No, because you're in a covenant relationship with God. That covenant is first and it supersedes all other covenants. And because you have a responsibility to respond to the covenant with God, you have to choose someone who worships him. Don't settle. Listen to me. Please don't settle. Jerry, will you amen? We, we, listen, we counsel so much where one or the other has married someone who's not head over heels in love with Jesus. And let me say to you, their lack of love for the master will not help you love Jesus more. And let me say this to you, that the unrighteous heart, the wicked heart of man, which, by the way, we still have a portion of, the, 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 the nature of Adam that we have, is a, is a formidable enough foe without attaching yourself with someone who's going to cheer him on. Be careful. You have a covenant responsibility to God to who you choose to marry. It's his choice. And he didn't tell you how they have to look. Come on, somebody. He didn't tell you how tall they have to be. He didn't tell you what color hair they must have. He didn't tell you how light or dark their skin need to be. I wish somebody pick up what I'm putting down. He said, there's one determining factor I lay down for you in this covenant relationship. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not, do not, somebody help me, do not be unequally yoked together. With who? Unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? I won't ask for any type of response tonight from where you're seated or where you're listening at home or at the nurse's station or where you find yourself. But I know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, somebody right now is wanting to shout amen. You want to stand in your chair. You want to, you want to pull your car off the side of the road, but you don't want to hurt your spouses. I understand. Listen, I get it. But listen to me. If you're the spouse and you may be considering right now that your spouse wants to shout amen, you ought to check about your relationship with the master. You ought to ask yourself, have you... Have you succumbed to the love of Christ, that, that the love of God that was not willing to spare his only son to purchase you and, and buy you back and forgive your sin and, and ask yourself, have you really committed to him? And if, and if you haven't, what better time than right now? Give your life to Jesus right now. I'm telling you, he'll change you inside now. So we have a covenant responsibility to whom we choose. Somebody help me. Who knew Malachi was such a powerful book? Amen. Now, is it starting to make sense to you? You missed some of this when you read it the first time? 
Yeah, okay, all right. So let's read a little further, all right? Roman number three. We got to hurry, y'all, because we're running out of time. All right, Roman number three. Is everybody all right? All right, now we have covenant responsibility. This is about to be for the married folk. We have covenant responsibilities with our spouse. Did you know that? Boy, it's done got so quiet in here. What is going on? All right, let me ask you all again, okay? We have covenant responsibilities with our spouse. Uh, did you know that? Yes. Uh, and listen, because I've made a covenant with Tina, I have covenant responsibility to her. But the reason I made a covenant response, and I know I'm pointing over there, and she's not here, she's out of town helping her mama. Her mama's moving to Brandon first time in all of our lives. She's going to be close, and we're excited about that. But, but I'm pointing over there because that's where she normally is, okay? So, y'all get me, all right? Now, covenant relationship with her because, because 25 years ago, I made a covenant, some covenant vows to her. She made some to me. But the reason we did that is because we had made covenant relationship with God. We have responsibility. And listen, we've learned more about those responsibilities as we've gone. How many of y'all say amen to that? All right, so now let's look at what they are. Put your eyes back on the verses with me. Verses 13 to 16. I'm having a ball. Anybody else? I love the Word of God. And I love Wednesday nights. 13, here we go. And this is the second thing. So God says, here's one thing. Now remember, he's on their case, isn't he? Come on, y'all. We ain't never going to get out of here. Uh, he's on their case, isn't he? Now, where did he start, though, in chapter 1? His great love for them and his magnitude. So he, listen, he didn't set the stage. He set the stage by saying, here's what ought to motivate you to live this covenant out. My love for you and the bigness of who I am. And so you ought to live, this is what you ought, but you're not, and so he's correcting. All right, picking up now in verse number 13, and this is the second thing that you do. So first, they were marrying those uh, ladies who worshiped false idols or, or, or uh, uh, false gods. And so that was a, a direct response to their relationship with him. And it was wrong. And so verse 13, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. Now, can you see them just all down here at the altar just weeping and crying? And they've been at the altar just crying their little eyes out. And uh, so he does not regard the offering anymore. H have you ever, any of y'all ever have children that cry just for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> so I wish I could see the look on some faces up here like, man, yes, you know. Um, and, and some of them are, how many of y'all have those little kids like, some of ours are this way, really good at pouring the tears on? And you can put a nut or butter in their hand and shut that thing off. I don't know how you can shut a tear gland off that fast. Because they're, listen, there's physiological things that have to happen to form a tear to come out of that thing, right? And you put that, they'll be crying for another buddy, put it in hand, bam, smiling. Th that's what was going on. They had the fountains of tears going, but their hearts were not grieving. They were not broken. They weren't broken. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. God can tell when you're faking. He can tell, just like I could with my kids. Couldn't you tell with your kids? He can tell, and so much more so our Heavenly Father can tell. Verse number 14, yet you say, for what reason? What reason? What reason, God, are you not going to receive our, from our hands? What reason are you not going to move on our behalf? What reason are you not going to show us favor? We're crying. And because the Lord has been, listen, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. When you were talking to her like you were talking to her, I was there. I was a witness. When you were treating her like less than, I was there. When you were talking down to her, I was there. When you, when you treated her like she was something just to be used, I was there. When you didn't love her like Christ loved the church, he said, I witnessed it all. Don't you think you can close all them doors and get away from the church house and treat your wife and treat your husband how you want to treat them? I'm, I'm a witness to it all. 
That's what God said. Now listen to that sound. Hear that? Sound of silence, hear it? Because you need to be reminded that when you close your bedroom door and the way you talk to each other and the way you treat each other, he's a witness. Sees it all. Every snide remark, every downtrodden, every lack of sacrifice, every, every, un, every conditional base love phrase and action. So what, listen, so now he's saying to them, you've dealt treacherously with the wife of your youth. Now here particularly, uh, and he says at the end of verse 14, yet here's the problem. She's your companion and your wife, uh-oh, by covenant. There's a responsibility you have to her. She has a responsibility to you, you have a responsibility to her, and you've forgotten this, and you're dealing treacherously with her. And the word treacherously here, here means to violate an agreement. Oh, on that day when we said, I do, you made a covenant. And if you've not held up to the end of that, you have violated the covenant and dealt treacherously with the wife or the husband of your youth, and more importantly, with the God who made the covenant available. Now, I want you to think about something for just a minute. What are the covenant responsibilities? I'm glad you asked. I think we have just enough time to cover them, okay? First of all, wives. You see it in your notes there? I'm gonna hit it quick, because it's right there. We don't have to turn a whole lot. All right, wives. What is the wives? Covenant responsibility to their husbands. Ephesians chapter five, verses 22 to 24. What does it say? Wives, y'all help me with the next word. Submit to your, not your neighbor's husbands, but to your own husbands as to the Lord. Hallelujah. I had a lady tell me one time, that means I'm supposed to treat him like Jesus. He ain't Jesus. I said, no, that's not what it means. Submit in the, in the context means to respect. That means to give him the place of leadership. It doesn't mean you're a silent partner. It doesn't mean you don't pray for him. It doesn't mean you tell him how you feel and what God's showing you. You have an integral partner relationship. You're not a silent partner. You're a partner, an equal partner. But there has to be a leader. And God, by design, says the male is to be the leader. So, in essence, the male is responsible for where the family goes. The female is going to answer for whether or not she followed. Whether or not she encouraged. Whether or not she inputted. Right? Now, uh, as this unfolds, he says, submit. So, follow his leadership. But listen to what it says, as to the Lord. I had a lady tell me again. He and Jesus, I said, no, no, no. He's not talking about bow down to him, worship him, and, you know, burn incense to him, pray to him. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. I'm talking, he's talking here about the same way, as to, the same likened way that you submitted to Jesus. Well, what do you mean? I mean the day you got born again. Did somebody put a gun to your head and say, if you don't get born again, I'm going to shoot you? No. Did somebody put you in the headlock and say, I'm going to choke you, Daniel, if you don't get saved? No, they didn't tell you that. And so you, by free will, gave your life in submission to Jesus, in respect to Jesus as leader. That's what he's saying. You have to, lady, ma'am, you have to make a free will. It's a gift that you give, not to your husband, but to Jesus. And so it's a free will. Does that make sense to y'all? Some of y'all are like, phew, I thought that thing said I was supposed to worship him. No, as to the same free will way to follow his leadership. Okay, now it goes on to say, uh, just as uh, also Christ is head of the church, as he is the savior of the body, therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And so you are encouraging him, you're talking to him, you're, you're telling him how you feel, you're still uh, encouraging, you're telling, and by the way, guys, we ought to be a little more intelligent to listen to them a little more, because uh, boy, there are things that they see and catch that we don't. Uh, we're kind of like concrete, boom, and it's like black and white, and, and boy, we need some help in that area, don't we? And I thank God for Tina, because she helps me so much in those areas. All right, now to the husbands. Wives say hallelujah, let's move to them. So husband, now, now listen, you don't have to do that, ladies. You can be the boss. You can. Did you know that? 
Y'all yeah, looking at me like that. That's not a trick question. You can. Nobody can make you not. You have free will. God gave us something called free will. And you can wear the pants in your family and you can dictate everything that happens and you can treat him like a less than and you can tell him everything he needs to do and you can second guess him. You can do all of that. You can do, and you can even say, well, my mom was that way and it's just the way I've always been and that'd be fine. And you'll be living right outside the will of God. And you'll be responding in a non-covenantal way with God. So your covenant response to your husband is based on your covenant with God that is sealed in Jesus' blood. And so that's the response. Now, to the husbands. Husbands, he says, love your wives just as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now, let's talk for a little bit about that. What does it mean? Love your wives. I had a young person tell me one time, ours is easy. All we got to do is love them. I said, yeah, kind of like loving ice cream, right? He said, yeah, yeah, like loving ice cream. I said, I love ice cream. You, yeah, yeah. And I said, except for if I made you eat five bowls in life for the rest of your life, you would get sick of it and you want a different flavor. And you can't get sick of it and want a different flavor of your wife. He, he said, I said, well, you might love her like you love your dog. He said, well, I love my dog. He started talking about all this extravagant stuff he'd done with his dog and paid for his dog and all this stuff. And I said, yes, but if your dog ever bit your little baby, I promise you what'll happen. It has to find a new place to live. And you can't put your wife out. And so we're to love her, he said, a specific way, like Christ loved the church. Sir, your covenant response to God, not your wife, is to love her sacrificially, unconditionally, and demonstrated. Three particular ways that God loved the church. Sacrificially, come on somebody, y'all help me. Unconditionally and demonstrated. You gotta show it. Now guys, we think we can say I love you on the wedding day and then if I change my mind, I'll tell you, right? Uh, but that's not how it works. Uh, it's a continual demonstration of love. Now I can go into a lot more details on that, but I'm not. That's another message for another night. And that is quickly the covenant response that we're supposed to have in our covenant with God towards our spouse, okay? So tonight, we've talked about so far, we have a covenant responsibility with our faith family. We have covenant responsibility for whom we choose to marry. We have covenant responsibilities with our spouse, both husband and wife. And finally, Roman numeral four, we must never compromise truth. Now write that in quickly because I bet the kids back there are getting restless. Y'all think they are? I bet Jackie's looking at that screen right now saying, that ain't funny. That ain't funny. All right, here we go. Look with me if you will. Last verse, verse number. Come on now, I'm having more fun than that. 17, right? Have y'all had fun? How about, did you see all of that when you read through there? Isn't that good? Mal who'd have known Malachi. So full of, hey, last words, four, after this, 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. And then John came saying what? One word, repent. See how this message got, got their heart, 400 years of thinking on that? Huh? What's the last thing God said to us to the prophet? <laughs> we living in a covenant relationship with him. We thought we are, but we ain't. All right, read with me verse 17. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Now listen, if you're reading that and you're here divorced tonight, understand this, there is grace to be found. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful unto God that there's grace to be found? But at the same time, because of grace, we don't gray the lines and say that God doesn't hate divorce. We don't, we don't gray the lines up. We say we, we understand why he hates divorce. And by the way, I was talking with someone this week, and there's a reason that God hates divorce. 
He hates divorce because it causes pain to everybody involved. You ever thought about that? So it's love that motivates his hate toward divorce. It's not that he wants to just suck all the fun out of your life and make you stay with one person all your days. He knows that's the path of blessing. He knows that's where joy is found and sustained. Now, when it, when it happens, aren't you, God, again, let me just say, aren't you glad that he's God enough to redeem the time and make something beautiful, huh, out of the messes that we can make in our lives? Listen to what he says here, right? Verse 17. Uh, he says, for you have, you read with me, verse, verse, verse 17, he hates divorce, for it covers the garment with vines. I'm reading on down, verse number 17. For you have, this is so interesting to me, you have wearied the Lord. You, you've made him tired. You ever get tired? Anybody, now, this is not tired from work. Okay, I want to ask you a question. Are there any kind of people that make you tired? Huh? You ever have this thought inside yourself? Now I'm about to be a little transparent. You ready? You're wearing me out. Huh? My mama used to say that to me all the time. Did anybody else mama say that to you? Okay, good, it's my people. My mama said, Terry, you're wearing me out, son. Take a few minutes of silence, you know? And so... Certain people, this is not a tired from work. This is a tired from an attitude, right? And, and what does he say? You, you've weirded me with this attitude. Listen to the statements that identify the attitude. Listen to the statements. We must never compromise truth. He says, and, and you ask the question, he says, you're wearied, man, but you're asking the question, how? How have we made you tired? And he says, because you say this, two things. Listen closely. Because you say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and that he delights in them. He's happy with them. When God says something's evil, it's evil. Doesn't matter what the culture says. Doesn't matter what an organization that may call itself the church says. If God says it's evil and wrong, it's evil and wrong. And if you and I ever stand and say, but it's okay with God, he delights in you, two guys marrying each other. It's okay. It's all right. I, listen, because, you know, this, that's old and ancient. Listen, if you ever try to stand in God's shoes and say what he says is evil is good, he says, you're, you're, you're making me tired. I'm tired of dealing. Well, I don't know about you, but it's a little bit of a sobering thought, isn't it? Um, that God would get weary of man when, man when man speaks on his behalf and has the audacity to go against what He's recorded for us and us to say, well, that's the old way of thinking and that's the old way of, and wives don't have to respect their husband. That's not what we do anymore. Feminism is the way now. And, and it's okay. God's just as happy with them as they are with, you know. He says, you're making me tired with the arrogance of compromise in truth. But then he says at the end, okay, where is, the, and the second statement they make is where is the God of justice? Now what they're saying is we are pouring these offerings out. Now remember, we got to go back to chapters one and two to bring this, kind of bring it to light. You remember what they've been offering him? We called it, what was the word we used, remember? Scraps. We called it scraps. Now I know what you, some of y'all were naming like lame, lame sheep, blind ones, sick ones that couldn't bring any money. Remember there was not stolen, like I go steal yours and go offer it to God. And, and God says, and you're going to ask me 
why I'm not moving on your behalf because I'm not being just. When you're offering the God of everything, the God of creation who created you and you're offering me your scraps and you're saying I'm not just because I'm not showing you favor and moving in your life. Wow. Who knew Malachi? Such a powerful book, amen? I don't know about you guys, but it's really been working on my heart. I'm not talking about beating me down, make me feel, I'm talking about showing me some things I need to ask God to change, right? Like, I didn't, we didn't come in here to get beat up and leave out of here going, oh, it really hit my heart and got my toe. No, 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 God brought us in here to say, listen, you're in a covenant relationship with me. And I've done everything for you, and I've purchased you with the blood of my own son. Now, you also have some covenant responsibilities. Now, I'm going to hit, listen, he's tilted this thing in our favor. You know how? He gave us his Holy Spirit. So we can't say, well, I can't do all of that. You're right, you can't, but I died. And now the Holy Ghost of God is our guide. And not by might, not by strength, but by his Spirit, saith the Lord. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? I know I'm surprised we're out of time too. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Oh, we've covered a lot tonight, haven't we? Hallelujah. I want us to be, I'm praying that we would be a covenant people. A covenant people. Now I'm asked this question of the group. How many of this room would say, you know what? I've learned something. I've really learned more. I haven't really thought much. I want some honesty here, okay? Heads bowed nice because nobody looking around because I don't want pride getting in the way. And I want to ask a question of the group as the lights dim down just a little for us. I want to ask a question of you, okay? Need a little light out in the house. I want to ask a question of you. I just want to look for a show of hands. Here's the question. How many of you say, you know, I really haven't thought much about the fact that I'm in a covenant relationship with God. Slip your hand up. You just put that up there, okay? All right, so now listen. There's a majority of hands. Now listen to this word, okay? Don't be offended. Just listen. That would be the fact that we were ignorant. Now listen to me. Some of you are like, what do you call me? Listen to me. Ignorant just means a lack of knowledge. I didn't know. Does that make sense to you? I'm not calling your name. I'm not, I'm not looking down. I'm saying we don't know what we don't know. But, and the scripture says this, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. But now that you know, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? A covenant. Jesus said, this is the new covenant, the covenant in my blood, perfect blood that was shed for our forgiveness, that brought us into a relationship with the Father, one-on-one, not you and your family. Now, your family may be all saved. I don't know, but I'm talking about this covenant is a one-to-one covenant. And now if you've been born again, you're in covenant relationship with God. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us instruction on how to live out our responsibilities. Aren't you glad? Oh, listen, you ought to love him so much tonight. It ought to be deep down in your heart. So you know what? I want to live, I want to live this covenant out with him because look what he's done for me. Remember, the motivation tonight is the love of God. And the second one, help me out, is the magnitude. He's able. You say, I can't do this. I know you can. I can't either. But God can in us and through us. He can. So if you're here tonight as a married couple, maybe you just clasp hands for just a minute. Maybe you'd reach over, sir, and grab her by the hand. And y'all just take a minute, and I'm going to do this tonight, a little different. I'm going to get you to pray together right there where you're at, all right? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. And you can do it silently, you can do it out loud. But maybe you just begin to pray for her. I'm going to ask the guys to go first, all right? I'm just going to ask you to pray for her. Pray for her. Just whisper in her ear. Pray for her. Just ask the Lord to help you in this covenant relationship. 
If your wife's not here, then I just want you to pray for her right now. She may be serving back in the children's ministry. She may be at work. She may not be able to be here. Just pray for her right now. Pray God help strengthen that covenant relationship, that you would be a better spiritual leader, that God would empower you to lead the way. Take just a second. And ladies, I'm going to ask you to do the same. Return the favor. Pray for him. If you're here and your husband's going on to glory, just would you take a second? Just thank the Lord for him. Thank the Lord for the years you had with him. What a blessing he was to you. Thank God for being that one who fills in the void. Husband or wife. For the single person in the room. Would you talk to God for just a minute and say, God, help me never to settle. God, help me never in loneliness to settle. God, help me never to feel like an outcast because I'm not married. Married's not better. God, help me to follow your path. And, and if I'm supposed to be, remain single, help me to glorify you in my singleness. But God, if you have somebody for me and you intend for me to be married, God, don't let me settle. M remind me I'm in a covenant with you and that covenant supersedes. And so I'm looking for someone who believes in you and loves you with all their heart. Maybe you'd pray for him. Maybe you'd pray for her right now. Maybe God's already placed on your heart that you're going to be married. So you just begin to pray for her or him right now. If you have children, if you're here and you have children, you ought to be praying right now. If you have daughters, you ought to be praying right now that God would send men into her life later on when the time is right that would love God more than her and there would be a covenant union. If you have sons, you ought to be praying right now that they would be, that God would send her a godly woman who loves God more than she loves him. If you're here tonight, you've never entered covenant relationship with God. The offer is extended today, tonight, right now, in this moment. Come to Jesus. He's made it possible for you to enter into a relationship with the Father with His own blood. You see, when He went to Calvary and He was beaten and crucified, He endured the wrath of God through the hands of men. And he was raised up on the cross, raised up above the earth, uh, between the wrath of God and the rebellion of man. And Jesus settled the score. He paid the debt. He redeemed us. They placed his body in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. And tonight, if you'll turn away from your sin, listen, if you'll repent, if you'll say, I don't want to be boss of me anymore, and you'll invite Jesus, you'll confess Jesus as Lord above all. God will save you. You're, listen, he'll wipe the slate clean. It is as if you've never committed sin. He'll give you a purpose to live for. He'll start teaching you the responsibilities you have in the covenant. He'll give you the spirit to help you live out those responsibilities. Oh, somebody here tonight has been trying to live religion. You're wondering why you can't hold up your end of the covenant, why you're not doing any different in your life. And it may be that the Holy Ghost of God is void and not in your heart. What a great time right now to invite Jesus to be Lord.